Hello, creepy crawlers, and welcome back to Creep Academy. I'm your host, Ghastly Ash, and I hope you all had a fun Yule, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, or whatever else you celebrated over this past week. I personally didn't do a whole hell of a lot. I hung out at home, binged holiday horrors, mostly hung out with my roommate and my pets and all of that. But that said, I did receive some really awesome gifts from my friends and family, including this new microphone that I'm talking to you on today. So everyone can give a collective thank you to my brother Aaron for helping me take one step closer to not sounding as if I'm telling everyone scary stories through a wrapping paper tube. And it's extra exciting because I get to try try it out on this super creepy and interesting episode topic, which was suggested to me from a Facebook friend of mine named Jessica. I've lived most of my whole life infatuated with scary things and horror movies, and I actually can't even think of a time when I was not obsessed with anything and everything macabre, so it takes a lot these days to get a rise out of me. But when I fell into the rabbit hole of encounters and stories about this topic, it left me so fucking paranoid, and my imagination completely ran away with me so much that I didn't even want to glance outside my bedroom window. And you know, that feeling that you get as a kid when you turn off the light in like the basement or in a dark room or whatever and you have to take off full speed because suddenly your imagination convinces you that some random demon or something is going to come murder you if you stay in the darkness too long. Yeah, that was the feeling that I got all over again and it's been a long time since I've got that. It was amazing and I hadn't felt that way, like I said, in a while and I can laugh about how ridiculous I felt now but I'm sure once I get into this episode it's gonna freak me out all over again. But this episode, just a little bit of a warning, might be a little longer than my previous two, but that's only because there are specific instances I felt I just had to share about this, and I hope that you guys can bear with me. So here it goes, weirdos, the legend of the black-eyed children. So for those of you who are not familiar, the black-eyed children are supposedly these otherworldly entities that are said to look like kids between the ages of 6 and 16 years old. And from all accounts, they look basically normal at first glance, aside from their clothes, which I've found people would describe them as being dated or just not something a kid their age would wear. They have black eyes, And when I say black eyes, I'm not talking about just the iris being black. I'm talking about the entire eye, pupil, iris, sclera, all of it. And they appear only at night and kind of just radiate this fear and dread and overall sense of unease to whoever is speaking with them. They always, always ask you for a favor and or to let them in your home or for a ride somewhere to use the phone, whatever. They always ask for something. And when you go online to research, there's literally hundreds of stories about these supposed run-ins with these things, as well as videos. Though I didn't watch the videos, and that's because being involved with photography and filmmaking the way that I am, I know how easy it would be to just kind of drop in some effects and written stories to me just have more of a pull and they have more of an impact when it comes to paranormal type of things to me. But again, there's tons of them online. You're welcome to head over to YouTube yourselves and watch them because there's plenty. But the first recorded documentation of an encounter that I found while doing my research regarding these beings was from a 1998 blog of a man named Brian Bethel. And the encounter goes a little something like this, quote, it was around 9.30 p.m. on January 16, 1998, and Brian left his apartment in Abilene, Texas for the Dropbox to pay his internet bill. On the way, he stopped at the Dollar Movie Theater next to his service provider's building to make out his check. As he did this, there was a knock on the window and he saw two young boys. 
He placed them between the ages of 10 and 14 years old, the first one being slightly taller than his companion, wearing a pullover hooded shirt with a gray checker pattern and jeans. He couldn't see his shoes, but his skin was olive colored and had curly medium length brown hair. The second boy had pale skin with a trace of freckles. His primary characteristic was seemingly to be looking around nervously, and he was dressed in a similar manner to his companion, but his pullover was a light green color and his hair was pale orange. So almost immediately, Brian felt a sense of fear. The first boy began to tell Brian that they needed his help. They wanted to see the new Mortal Kombat movie, but forgot their money. But instead of asking for the money itself, the boys asked for a lift to their house to retrieve it. Brian was obviously nervous and hesitant as the first boy continued to try and coax him, saying things like, come on, mister, we just want to go to our house. We're just two little boys. And come on, mister, let us in. We can't get in your car unless you ask us to. You know, just let us in and we'll be gone before you know it. We'll go to our mother's house. So at this point, Brian states that he found himself moving to unlock the door without realizing it as if in a trance, but caught himself before he could and took a closer look at the kids, noticing that their eyes were solid black. As a side note, I noticed a theme at this point of everybody's stories. All of the people meeting the black eyed kids claim that once you realize that their eyes are all black, things kind of get a bit sketchy and scary. So the second Brian noticed the eyes, the first boy began to get agitated and erratic, yelling, we won't hurt you. You have to let us in. We don't have a gun. We don't need guns. As he started pulling at the door and demanding to be let in, Brian kind of mustered up the courage he could find and pushed his car into reverse and sped home, leaving the boys where he found them. So obviously at this point in my research, I was still kind of scoffing a bit because really, let's be honest, if this was just one encounter, it could all be chalked up to this guy being spooked that it was late and these kids were too forceful and asking for a lift. Because thinking back to myself in 1998, I was about 15 and at the time like a little goth kid. And I remember a bunch of people, both friends and just people I would see around my age that were into the same things that I was, they were kind of wearing these big black contacts. I mean, if you remember, or if you were familiar with corn back in 1998, Wes Borland used to always have these contacts in. So if it had just stopped there, I think anyone could dismiss it as kids just being dicks as per usual, but it didn't stop there. And this story kind of snowballed into popularity because of other people chiming in and sharing how shocked they were to hear that they weren't the only ones who have experienced encounters with kids like this. Two stories that I read in particular gave me the creeps the most, and these resulted in me completely terrified of looking outside as I read them at like three in the morning on Christmas Eve. And the first one goes something like this. It almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog Lucy barking. She was upright in the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22-month-old daughter staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out rummaging around. I thought she was just kind of freaking out over the old house, the noises settling and things like that. We'd only had her for three months and she was still just a puppy. It could have been anything, our roommate, a creak from the house settling, the awnings moving outside in the breeze. It wasn't too concerning initially. I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it was what we do with our daughter when she gets scared. 
and I figured it should work with a puppy too. I opened the door and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one I had never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her, opening the baby gate, blocking the doorway, planning to open the door just to show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumped toward me, and when I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid of backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I'd been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the people, and I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidge shorter than me and didn't look much older. I'm 21, and she looked to be about 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde, and she wore it long, about mid-back, with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front that covered most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that was popular right now, and a thin-looking olive-colored pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl, who looked to be around three or four, in the same style jeans and button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her arm and it was identical to the one my daughter has, as was her style of dress. Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the cold. Something about that seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled, nothing. I hadn't turned on the lights. These kids had no indicators I was at the door, but the older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her head tilted downward and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly and that was when I saw her eyes. There was a reason I couldn't see them through the bangs before. They were black or midnight blue or a dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. As someone who's always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things. As a staunch atheist and skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, I had written off many a ghost story from friends and family members eager to tell their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door, Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite. When I took that second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again, may we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled at the door and I inched backwards, though something inside me seemed to be pulling me toward the door. It wasn't a physical pulling as much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered up the window, locked the door, and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night. I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about the BEKs, they don't come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, or at least I haven't heard that they've hurt anyone yet, but I still feel that I would be the exception. When I told my husband, he said it was a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it, but I have this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread. When the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock at the door tells me otherwise. Okay, so imagine me 
the only one awake in the house super late and only my laptop screen lighting up the room. I didn't have anything around me, no noise, nothing. And I didn't even have my husky Bailey with me like I always do. So I was already thinking that reading these this late was a really dumb idea. And I know I should have stopped, but me being me, I kept on going. And I read this next one, quote, It was about 9.30 p.m. and my husband and I were sitting in our family room watching some of those ghost shows based on supposedly actual events. I don't believe in that stuff, but I do like a good ghost story every now and then. It was getting late, so I turned the outside light off and let our dog Chloe out and she followed me back to the couch and laid down at my feet. It was getting close to 10 p.m. when my husband decided he'd had enough fun for the night and was going to go upstairs, take a shower, and get ready for bed. My teenage son was out with his friends and wasn't expected back for another hour or so. It wasn't long after I heard the upstairs water for the shower turn on when there came a light knock 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 at the front door. My initial reaction was, what the hell, really? It's almost 10. Go home. But soon an uneasy feeling came over me. Why the knock? Our doorbell glows in the dark, and without the porch light on, it would have been extra obvious to anyone there. I paused. I couldn't really just ignore it. Our front door has big, beveled glass pane, and anybody right at the door could see in enough to see that someone was in the family room watching TV. It would be pretty rude of me to just sit there and not answer it. Knock, knock, knock. Again, from the door. I glanced down at Chloe, and she was gone. My gaze followed her usual path to the front door, expecting her to be on her way there, as she normally does. Nothing. She wasn't there. I stood up to look around the room better and I found her, crouching behind the back door like she was wanting out. However, she never asks me to go out that way. She always comes and licks my hand or puts her head on my knee. This was totally out of character for her and it heightened my anxiety. Chloe, crate, I said. She just turned back to me and said, Hell no, lady, I ain't moving. (laughs) I yelled to my husband, but if he was already in the shower, I knew there was no chance of him hearing me. Knock, knock, knock. About that time, a car drove down our street and cast just enough of light on the door to where I could see the silhouettes of two small children through the glass. I instantly felt relief. It was just some kids. I turned on the porch light when I got to the door and sure enough, I could see through the glass and it was just a couple of pretty small kids. A little late for such young ones, I thought, and I began to wonder about what kind of parents would let their kids run the streets that late at night. I only opened the door enough to where I could block Chloe's escape if she decided to grow some balls, which was only about two feet. It was a girl and a boy. The girl to my left was older, I'd say about 11 or 12. I could tell she was blonde, but I couldn't make out any distinct features as our lights are from above and the columns on the front porch make it so that the light was coming from behind them. I had not opened the door wide enough for any light from the inside to hit them directly. The boy was younger and about a foot shorter, I'd say eight or nine, and looked to have light brown hair. The girl very politely spoke up, Ma'am, can we please come inside and use your phone to call our mom? As she spoke, something at the pit of my stomach was telling me something was wrong. What kid, even at that age, doesn't have a cell phone of their own to call their parents these days? I couldn't remember the last time I had anybody ask me to use my home phone. Don't you have a phone of your own to call your mom on? I asked. This is when things got really weird. Both kids turned to look at one another like they were going to say something to one another, but neither of them spoke. They both turned back to me, and the girl said, Ma'am, my cell phone battery doesn't have any charge left in it. Can we please come inside and call our mother? We're all alone out here, and my brother is scared. I have to admit, there were two competing feelings going on inside me. The first, that of a mother's heart that wanted to help these two small children get back to their mom. The other, a sinking fear in my gut that was keeping the other feeling at bay. 
It was then that I'd noticed that the short conversation I had already opened the door a few extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mother's number and I can call her myself? Another pause and they said, Ma'am, my little brother has to use the bathroom. Can we please come inside while we call our mom? And with that last statement, the girl moved closer toward the door like she was going to just walk on by me. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from inside the house and I got my first real good look at her. Solid, jet black eyes, that's all I could see. The motherly instinct was gone and replaced by terror and I don't think I've ever felt that much terror in my life. I could feel every hair on my arm and the back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door to where just my face was able to stick out. The little girl stopped and again pleaded, Please ma'am, we're really scared and alone out here. We have to come inside. Then, like on cue, both kids began to whimper and cry. But that's when the fear took over and I shut and locked the door. I'll call your mom if you give me the number. I shouted through the door, but I'm not letting you in my house. I could still see them there on the porch, staring at me through the beveled glass pane. Part of me wanted to run upstairs to my husband, but the bigger part didn't want to lose track of where they were. That would have freaked me out even more to not know where they were. After what seemed like forever, but probably only a few seconds, I decided I'd call my neighbor that lived across the street. As I made my way to the side table by our couch to the phone, I glanced at the back door. Chloe was nowhere to be found. We later found her in the guest room upstairs under the bed. When I got to my phone and started to look for my neighbor's contact number, it was only then that the kids stepped away from the door and began to walk to the street. As they did, I walked to the door to get a better look to see where they went, still not calling my neighbor. If you get close enough to the glass, you can see out enough to make out people's shapes, but you can see, can't see much detail. Of course, standing that close to the door would make you pretty obvious to anyone outside looking in. I could see that the kids were still standing under the street lamp nearest my house, staring at me. As I lifted my phone in my ear after calling, only then did the kids start walking down our street. I met my neighbor under the lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be found. So... At this point, I'm already kind of getting freaked out, but I hadn't read a story yet that had let me know what happens if someone were to actually let these kids in. And I was super curious, so I kind of scoured the internet and I found one. It was submitted to a blog called Week and Weird, if you guys want to go check that out. And this is kind of how it went. It freaked me out. Let me start by saying that I know how hard it is that this will be to believe. But now that things have taken a turn for the worse, I started looking for stories similar to mine and found weak and weird. I feel like I should share my story with someone and your website seemed like the right place to do so. I made the mistake of letting the black-eyed kids inside and now I'm worried that I might die because of it. I hope this will be a warning to everyone who is ever in the position to make the same mistake that I did. I live just outside of a rural town in Vermont. It's a tight-knit community where everybody knows one another and people don't lock their doors at night. There has never been any need to. A little over a year ago, I woke up because I heard a banging on my door. At the time, my husband and I lived in a small home on a dirt road just off a rural route into town. It was the middle of a snowstorm and nearby hills get very slippery in the snow. So I thought that someone might have been in an accident and broken down. It's happened before. When I looked out the window, I could see that the motion spotlight was on. I could see that there were footprints in the snow that had come from our road and into the driveway, but there was no car anywhere. The snow was still covering the road and no one had driven on it for at least a couple of hours. Our front door was obscured from the window, but I could see that someone was standing there. I wasn't sure what to think, so I woke my husband up just to feel better. While I was telling him what was going on, it started again, and my husband went to answer it while I stood in the hallway. 
When he opened the door, there were two children standing in the snow looking toward the ground. They were a boy and a girl and could not have been more than eight years old. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts. The girl's hair was very long and straight and the boy had a dated haircut that looked almost like a bowl cut. They weren't dressed for winter and my first thought was that they must have been Mennonite children. But as far as I know, there was never a large community of Mennonites near us. Thinking back on it, I know that my normal reaction to seeing children in a snowstorm would have been to rush them inside and bundle them up in blankets, but that was not how this felt. The children were very unnerving. They would not make eye contact, and when my husband asked them if everything was okay, they asked if they could come in. My husband looked at me like, what do I do? And I asked the kids where their parents were. They'll be here soon, is all they said. It was around 2 o'clock in the morning at this point, and so the only reasonable thought in my head was that there must have been an accident or these kids got lost. As much as my instincts told me not to bring them inside, I did it anyway. I went into the kitchen to make them some hot cocoa while my husband told them to sit in the living room. While I was fixing the kettle, I could hear my husband talking to the kids. He was asking them if they were okay, where they came from, how far they walked, or if their parents' car was broken down, things like that but they always just answered, our parents will be here soon. They spoke in a sing-songy voice. They weren't afraid to be in a stranger's home at all. I started to notice that our cats, we had four, were all hiding except for Pigeon, who was in the kitchen with me. Normally our cats are very curious and friendly and we have to be careful that they don't run out the door when we leave. This time, none of them even tried to see who was there, which I thought was very strange. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up and his tail was puffed up while he looked into the living room. When I bent down to pet him and see what was wrong, he hissed and started growling and backed up until he hidden under the kitchen island. I've never seen him do that before. When I walked back into the living room, the kids were sitting on the couch as still as can be, but my husband was holding his head in his hands. I asked him what was wrong, and he just said he felt very dizzy. I'd look back to the children to give them their cocoa, but when they looked at me, I gasped. It took everything inside of me to not drop the mugs and run away. When they looked at me, their eyes were completely black. They had no whites, just giant black pupils. When they saw that I was scared, they stood up and asked if they could use the bathroom. I tried to be as composed as I could and showed them down the hall. They went into the bathroom together and I hurried back to my husband to ask him if he'd seen their eyes. He had seen them too and said that it looked like his brother's badly bruised eyes after a car accident. It definitely didn't look like that to me. He must have just been confused. We were in the middle of talking about those children when my husband's nose began to bleed. He'd never had nosebleeds as long as I've known him. I just knew inside myself that this had something to do with the kids in the bathroom and started crying while I ran to get my husband some tissues. That's when the power went out. I heard my husband yell my name from the living room and as I started to walk back through the hallway, I stopped dead in my tracks. The two children were standing at the end of the hallway. They weren't moving, they just stood there in the dark. After what felt like forever, the boy said, our parents are here. And they walked to the door, opened it, and walked out, leaving it wide open. My husband jumped up to go close it and almost fell over. We looked out the window and saw two men standing by a black car idling at the end of our driveway. The men looked like they were wearing black colored suits, were very tall, at least six feet. When my husband waved at them, they just stared at us, got in the car, and drove off. Our power came on about a half an hour later, but nothing was the same after that. Over the next few months, three of our cats went missing. We can only assume that they ran away somewhere and never came back. But the worst thing was coming home to find Pigeon, our fourth cat, in a puddle of blood in the living room floor. He looked like he'd been vomiting blood. The vet told us that he had some kind of spontaneous hemorrhage. After my husband's nosebleeds became a regular occurrence, we went to see the doctor. 
He didn't know what to make of it other than, quote, dry nasal passages, end quote. But my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive skin cancer. When the doctor asked us if he was using tanning beds, we both thought he was joking. But apparently this kind of melanoma is linked to overuse of indoor tanning. The doctors think he will recover, but don't understand how it got so bad so quickly. My husband has never worked an outdoor job and spends relatively little time in the sun. Since we met these black-eyed kids inside our home, I've also suffered from regular dizzy spells, nosebleeds, and other things on a regular basis. I've had other issues which I won't mention here, but trust me when I say that I'm suddenly in the worst condition of my life and no one can do anything about it. I know that all of this is because I let those children into my home. We've told everyone we could about these strange kids that showed up that night, but no one else saw them, and some laugh at how scared we were of the Mennonite kids but we know what we saw. I wish my husband had never opened that door." End quote. So of course, after reading this story, this is when Bailey decides to pound her giant paws on the door to be let in my room and I almost had a freaking heart attack. And that's kind of where I stopped for the night. But that wasn't the last story of this that I've read overall because there was so many out there. So I'm probably gonna keep digging on this, but what do you guys think? Have you guys ever had an encounter or weird thing that happened with these kids or do you think they're real? Whether you do or not, make sure to just jump in the comment section for this episode on Instagram at creepacademycast or email me even at creepacademypod at gmail.com and let me know. I'd really love to read what you guys think or any ideas that you have for future episodes and make sure that you don't forget to subscribe. That's it for today. I'll see you guys in the new year. 